Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Horton. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. All right, welcome into a special edition of the Coach's Corner. Normally with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Borden, but tonight I've got a special guest joining me, Justin Mello. You can find him at Justin M underscore NFL. That's Justin M as in Mary underscore NFL. Go ahead and give him a follow. He's got some great stuff coming up this offseason through drafts. He always has some great interviews as well as some breaking uh, news from time to time that he, he gets. he gets. So he does a really good job there. So if you're into any of that, if you like Titans at all, give Justin a follow. So like I said, he's going to join me today here on the Coach's Corner. But we are brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partner with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content, including some articles and some little tidbits from Mello at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to, to put my coaching hat on and uh, and make my debut here. <laughs> yeah, man. So we just we've done a, you've got your own podcast. I don't know if you want to plug it with uh, our own Titans film room, Justin Graver, who I do the flex with as well. So I know y'all have a, a podcast. Uh, tell everybody about that just a second. Yeah, you can catch uh, Titans Film Room and I every Friday at uh, over at Broadway Sports Media on the Music City Audible. So we're kind of the show for Broadway that, uh, that that previews the upcoming game. We take a different approach than all the other podcasts. So we try to bring on guests um, uh, that, that can help us preview the upcoming opponent. We've had some really good people on this year. We had Mike Malarkey on uh, to preview the first Jags game. Huge. We had a, a, yeah, a great coach and, and great personality. We had Arif Hassan on to do the Vikings. We, we had um, Lance Zerline from NFL.com to do the, the first Texans game. So try to bring you these great guests weekly uh, to preview upcoming Titans games. Yeah, so that's just kind of why I wanted to introduce it to let everyone know that if you're if you're not listening to all the podcasts that Broadway Sports has to offer, you're really missing out because it's a, a wide variety of just different styles, hosts, everything they're going to cover. You're going to get some great interviews from Mel. In fact, that if you liked anything, the interviews that the Coach's Corner has done when we interviewed Tron Davenport or, or uh, Davenport, excuse me, or Coach Chris Selfo, uh, those were set up in large part thanks to Justin Mello and, and his efforts. So, I mean, it's it's he's, he's going to get some good ones on there, and I can't wait for the off-season content as well. So, uh, again, thanks for joining. But moving into this, uh, so where we are with the Titans and what we usually do on the, the Coach's Corner, we try to try to examine the games, kind of what's going on, what the feel is, kind of give you our breakdown. I'll be honest with you, it's been kind of a crazy week. I haven't gotten to the All-22 just yet, but I have uh, gone back and watched the game again. What are your takes right now as far as where the, the, the Titans were coming off of a pretty impressive game against the Colts, right? Two back-to-back games where they're pretty impressive. And then laying this stinker versus the Browns, which before the game I thought was an inferior team and a little bit of a fraud based on their record. But, you know, they found a way to win this game against the Titans. So where do you, what are your thoughts on the Titans right now where they stand? Yeah, I think you try to do your best to not ride the highs and lows too much and get on the roller coaster, and I'm guilty of that sometimes. But um, I think the most concerning aspect of this game to me is it's not that different um, from the loss they experienced earlier in the year with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the defense just couldn't stop a nosebleed in the first half, and, and you enter you enter the break just you know unbelievably with your backs against the wall. I mean, in this one, it was 38 to seven, right? Which is really unbelievable, especially for a Cleveland team um, that I think nobody would define as a juggernaut offense. So to me, that's the most concerning aspect now is, is they've lost two games this season um, against two teams they'll potentially see in the playoffs. I mean, both Pittsburgh and Cleveland are going to be in the postseason. 
where you've lost two games where the defense knocked you out of it before, you know, that, that before you even kicked off the third quarter. So that's the most concerning takeaway to me. Right. It's kind of a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of situation as far as the record and who you've lost to, because like you just mentioned, you, you have lost to two teams that you'll see in the playoffs. Well, again, you're not losing now the, the one blemish. If you go back and look on it, the, the real inexcusable loss to me at this point in time is to the Bengals. That's just the big outlier. Right, but I mean, at the same time, you can kind of pick apart these 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 matchups like you just did. I mean, the Browns scored a franchise record thirty eight points in the first half, and here's the thing: the defense held them to three points in the second half, and they still lost the game. And even with that great run the offense had, but you know, as a coaching philosophy, just so everyone gets out there, I've I've seen all this. Look at how they fought, and, and grant you, I am I am very I am very proud of that team for how they fought. But if you if you think that the Browns were calling the same game in the second half they did in the first half, I've got news for you. They they were they were foot off the gas. They didn't intend for the Titans to come all the way back and have an onside be onside kick away from losing that game. I guarantee it. But that's what happens in the ebbs and flows of games. So we talked about a couple weeks ago when the the Colts blew the Titans out early and AJ Brown drops that pass early. If he catches that pass, that's a whole different ball game. Much like in this one early on, the defense it was clear they weren't having a good day already, but the offense on one of their drives kind of makes a bonehead call here. And I want to get into this first where they, I don't want to say bonehead because it has worked in certain situations, but they get stuffed on fourth and one Uh, based on review. I get it. It it, it was bad angles. Don't let refs win games. We've covered all that. But that's the thing is that this defense, when they are struggling, when the Titans have to have success is when the offense is picking up the pace and being able to keep, that's a lot of pressure on this offense when you have to make perfect calls. But I want to get into the, the Brewer, uh, Aaron Brewer, offensive lineman, tackle eligible play. What were your thoughts there at that point in the game? Third and one. So my take on that play, and and, and I've thought about it, and I'm sure everyone in in Tennessee and the Titans fan have thought about it a lot, but where I kind of land on it now is I don't like the call, um, and I'll explain why, but, you know, Zach from the F-Words pod, and and I hate to give him credit, but... (laughs) He said, "He said, and I think he's right. Look, it's one of those calls where if Aaron Brewer catches the ball, no one complains about it, right? And you can say that about almost every play that doesn't work, right? I mean, if, if Seattle, they throw it on the goal line and, and they get a touchdown, no one complains they don't run the ball at the goal line, right? right. It's kind of the same thing. When plays don't work, coaches are stupid. When they work, coaches are brilliant, right? We, we, we kind of know that that's a thing. So he was right to say that in terms of if it works, look, no one, it doesn't never get to men, even if the Titans lose this game. And that play, no one mentions that play. You might find one or two people complaining, but no one's going to harp on it. Now, we're obviously harping on it because they lost the game, and it felt like a key point in the game. I don't like the call ultimately because I think, look, it's worked really well for them on the goal line, and I think that's what it should be reserved for. I think they should keep that play for the goal line. We've seen Dennis Kelly catch touchdowns down there. We've seen Taylor Lewan catch touchdowns down there. I like it. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't recall them ever running that anywhere other than the goal line. This was the first time I recall them running that on uh, in the middle of the field. Yeah, as far as so, I as far as I remember, yes, it is is one of the first times I've seen that. And, and and Jonathan on this show has a great saying that says a good regardless of outcome, a good decision is a good decision and a bad decision is a bad decision, whether it works or not. And this is one of those I think what you're getting at is that it, and I do agree with Zach, if it works, no one's talking about it, but at the same time I can still say it would have been, it was a bad decision if it worked. Right. Absolutely, you're right, and I do think it's a bad play call, no matter how you slice it. I just think obviously we're harping on it a lot more because you know Brewer drops the ball and right. they turn it over on downs, and the whole thing happens. Now, the reason I've personally decided not to harp on it too much is it was thirty-eight-seven at halftime. 
they didn't lose that game because Aaron Brewer dropped the ball on third and one. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so much that goes in. If they lose this game by three points, or at least it's a three-point game at half, I know they lost it by six, but like you said, I give them almost no credit for coming back the way they did because I fully agree with you that the Browns took their foot off the gas. I saw someone say they already were starting the buses to get back to the airport. Oh, yeah. At yeah. <laughs> and that's the absolute truth. So I, I don't care. You know, yeah, good they didn't quit. You do like seeing that. Seen a lot of Tennessee teams that have quit in the past. I'm talking pre Mike Malarkey era. Sure, there were a sure. lot of teams there that quit uh, on their coaches. But yeah, sure, give them credit for not quitting. But for me, that's where it stops. I don't care that they lost the game by six points, other than, you know, A for effort. A for effort counts for shit, right, in this business. Yeah. So uh, for me, it, it, it wasn't a great play call. But look, you're down 38 7 and a half. There's a lot more reasons you lost this game than the Aaron Brewer play call. Oh, 100%. And, and, and I think just to hammer on one other point uh, before we get anything else is that you said you like that close at the goal line because you're putting so much stress on the defense to read so many different things that things can get lost. Heck, that's every time the Titans have worked that that tackle out. And that's the thing is they've been doing it so long for years, teams tend to look for it now. But it has still worked. But you do it closer because you kind of have everything a little more compressed and looking for so many other things. You can run things across their face a little bit. Or open field like that, it's a little different story. So, yeah, we'll agree there. But here's the other thing, too. I think that we all agree, because I think even on the halftime show, Jonathan and I said, the Titans' goal should be here to get out of this thing healthy. Don't don't lose two games in one because you're you're trying to fight back. And I think even Mike Herndon on the Edwards pod said his thing was like just get all the starters out and let's just let's just get to, let's get to the Jaguars. Let's not do this. So, I mean, it's it's I will say this just to kind of hammer what you said home is at least you saw and this is the thing if this team has that grit and grind and I've said this all year they are a special team because they can fight through a lot of adversity and there's a lot of adversity that the the Titans teams have passed as you mentioned just have not had and with this Vrabel led team and that's why I think that he's regardless of what happens and what you want to say about defensive coordinator and all these decisions I agree, I'll agree with all that and I understand you have a point but here's the thing this guy has brought something out of this team and these NFL players where they just do not give up and they fight and they've got a little bit of tenacity to them. I just wish sometimes the defensive unit would have that earlier in games than they do. It almost seems like they've got to get smacked in the face first, right? And if they don't recover in time, then it's just good night. So that's where I want to go next is that even with all this grit and grind and having to play from behind, why not do this early and why not have your yourself set up? I mean, is it is it coaching at this point in time? Is it is it the players not a, having the ability to do what you want to do as coaches or is it a mixture of both? I mean, that's tough. I, I don't think, truthfully, anyone else can answer that but the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I know to point it out, Ryan Tannehill said something this week after the game uh, where he loved the way they battled back. He just wished they had that same attitude to start the game. Right. Like they need to search and, and find a way to, to start games fast as opposed to digging yourself a hole. Because like, this is the second time they've done this, right, where they've dug themselves a huge hole at halftime by halftime and almost pulled out a win. Now, of course, they're 0-2 in those two games, being the first one being the Pittsburgh one we touched on earlier, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, it's tough. You know, I know, again, Mike from the F-Words pod, he alluded a lot to earlier today saying, look, there's only so much they can do when you're starting, you know, Tizar Skipper and Breon Borders and you've lost Jayon Brown. But even that, I think, is giving them a little too much credit. It's not like this defense looked like uh, they were a top five unit when they had Jayon Brown or when they had Jadavion Clowney or when they had, you know, <laughs> I, I chuckle as I say Vic Beasley, but when they he were was healthy, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, for coffee. But as they, as they were healthy and had all their talent, they, they still were the worst third down defense of all time at that point in the year, right? So right. I, I don't know how much slack I'm going to cut them for having to play guys like Borders and Skipper because they weren't that much better before those guys were playing. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing is where do they go from here? And I think I agree with a lot of things you said there, especially when it's it's that's a good point you make is that I agree with Mike when he says that you're limited to what you can do, but it's not like you haven't been limited all season or it's not like those starters work were really competing at a high level there and producing great numbers because they just weren't there. The pass rush is so non-existent, it's not even funny. Like I, I, I think my high school team who had two sacks all year was better had a better pass rush than this. I, I joke a little bit and I'm sorry, but it's it's just it's it's frustrating to see. And I think the most important thing is is that well I, I try to look back. What was the difference that that Baltimore game was one that I thought, oh, they're turning a t- corner. And what happened early? They got into a scuffle at midfield with with Baltimore's head, head coach it, 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 Harbaugh and it's one of those things where like, do they have to have something controversial like that happen prior to the game starting? Like if that's the case, then Vrabel just needs to, to have these guys go be dickheads and let them go play. Cause it, it takes them way too long to get started. And it seemed like when they were trying to wake up in this game, that's when Brian borders got burnt on the, and listen, I don't, I'm not going to Brian borders was terrible on that play, but let's not, let's not pretend like he hasn't been pretty decent the rest of the time he's been in there. He's, we know he's a limited player and that's, that's why he's, he's again, people are, were mad at Jonathan Joseph, but I guarantee the Titans weren't expecting Jonathan Joseph to be their starting corner or Brian borders for that matter with what, with Fulton and, 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 and Adoree. So it's just one of those things where they're having to kind of deal with these things. But at the same time, the scheme doesn't seem to be matching because here's, here's my point and what I want to say. It's not just, you know, if if Akaro had come back this year and had, because he had a really good year last year for his, for his level, and he comes into this year and he's terrible, right? He's having a bad year. Well, if Bayard stays the same, I would say, well, then that, then Vicaro just had a flash in the pan. He's declining, but Bayard's been bad too. It's, it's, it's defense as a whole has been bad. And I just don't know if it's a spark they don't have or if it's scheme wise or if they're playing too safe and the guys are just bored and they, and they can't react. I mean, it's, it's something's got to change for this playoff run though, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we ha- I had this discussion earlier um, with a couple of the Broadway guys, uh, Mike included, where I said, truthfully, you know, maybe I'm pessimistic, but I have a hard time thinking this team can win a Super Bowl this year. I ju- you just feel like the defense is going to cost them at some point, right? Like it, like it already has. Now, look, playoffs are one game elimination. Anything can happen. You get hot at the right time. Anything can happen. They absolutely have one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they can outscore anybody. Right. But you just feel like this defense at some point is going to hold them back. And look, you, you mentioned Kansas City, and, and you, or you, I think maybe I'm mixing conversation. I apologize, but we've mentioned Kansas City before. We mentioned Pittsburgh, and and these teams are going to match up. Here's the thing: my impression of looking around the NFL. Tell me who the dominant team is. Who's who's the outright dominant team in the NFL right now? I mean, I, I still go with the Kansas City Chiefs, and even then, they struggle from game to game, depending on situations. Right. And, and, yeah, and I mean, I, Denver, that Denver game was pretty close, and they've had a couple others this year. I mean, right. they lost to Vegas. They had, I think they had a game earlier with the Chargers earlier in the year. They struggled, yeah. Went down to the wire. Right. So I don't know if they're saving it for the playoffs or what, but I mean, I'm just saying that the Titans just need to get a little more right, and this playoff run could happen. And there's the thing is, you got to just get hot at the right time. So I guess to me, sitting at eight and four, I'm not as I'm not as pissed, I guess, about dropping an egg now. Dropping an egg a week, an egg week before the playoffs or in the first round of the playoffs. Now I'm pissed. You know what I'm saying? Let's get this out of the way now. And at least it was to the Browns, who, by the way, are I think. Record-wise, tied for first, correct in their division, or they're close. I mean, they're right up there with the Steelers. I think the Steelers still have the the advantage. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of a different division. I apologize. I'm 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 mixing things up. But but the um, but the Browns are are they're winning. They are a winning record team. So I'm not as mad. I get. I guess it's just it's a team you should beat. So looking forward, I mean, obviously, you know, this would you say that this is probably John Robinson's worst year as far as free agents and drafts. I don't even know what year would even come competing for how bad of a year this has been. And look, 
before I say anything, John Robinson's an incredible general manager. Yes. This yes. team is very, this team and organization is very lucky to have him. Anyone who thinks they should get rid of him, I mean, it's it's a ridiculous, silly argument, and we're not even going to entertain anything like that. No, no, that's not what I was saying at all. That, that's a good point. Thank you. No, I, I know you're not. I'm just saying anybody who does have that opinion, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous thing to, to say. Before I, I just want to prefix with that. Right. Before right. <laughs> I uh, before before I crap on him before I crap on him a little. But no, I, I think what really hurts about this offseason um, the most is this team was in a win now in a win now window so to speak, right? You've got, you got one of the best running backs in the game and he's not going to be around here forever. That's just the truth. Uh, you, you know, your quarterback, who knows he's over 30. I, I know that's young for a quarterback, but you know, he's not, he's not on his rookie contract and you got a couple other right. Malcolm Butler, you know, guys who aren't get Kenny Vaccaro guys who aren't going to get younger, so to speak. You feel like you're in a bit of a win now window. Um, and you know, losing that game to the chiefs, I, you remember in the playoffs, that is the AFC championship game. You remember thinking, well, if they could just add a couple more contributors this offseason, they are so close. If they could, you remember Patrick Mahomes had all day to throw in the pocket right. in that game. So another thing was, well, if they can just get a, you know a couple of pass rushers, they can get a, a little bit more pressure on them. Well, they they you know who did they add in this offseason, right? I mean, of course, Jadavion Clowney never going to blame John Robinson for that. Everybody and their mother wanted him, and rightfully so. It just didn't work out. You know, I thought he played pretty well when he was on the field. Yeah, he didn't have any sacks. That's a big KV. But at the end of the day, he was all over the place, though. Ultimately I mean, determines, right? Yeah, to determine, would you take Jadavion Clowney back? Would do you wish he was yeah. healthy? You would answer yes. Yeah, 100%. So that to tell you, you know, he was playing fine. You wish you had him. Besides the sack issue, but you don't have him. That's a bummer. But then you look at the Vic Beasley debacle. That is one you can blame him for. Because the day that that signing was announced, everybody kind of scratched their heads a little and said, ooh, that's a risk, you know. We've heard of the attitude motor issues, and yeah, you know, he's a world beater when he wants to be, but I'll never forget the Atlanta Falcons, they announced that they weren't re-signing him. When, when, when do you that see happen? that? When, when do you when see that? When did the team go never. on Twitter and say, hey, we're not re-signing this guy? No. They didn't announce that they cut him. They didn't, no. They announced, hey, he's a free agent that we're not bringing back. (laughs) We've never seen that before. We would like all all y'all to know out there, we are done with this person. He's not an Atlanta Falcon. And we're like, wait, when did he get cut? We never never saw that announcement. This is so strange. And now you're seeing maybe why. Right. So to my point, you you want you get on John Robinson for that signing because we all say, ooh, you know, it may work out and it could have, but ooh, that's a risk. Well, it went the worst way possible. And then you look at the, you know, the contributions he's gotten through the draft. I mean, Isaiah Wilson, you'd be hard pressed to find a player that's had a worse rookie season in the last 15 years. I mean, I don't know, right? Obviously, with right. all the things he's had going on, you, you get your, I mean, unfortunately, you get your second round pick injured in Christian Fulton. But the thing is, let's keep with Fulton, let's be honest. I mean, when he started the year, he was playing behind Chris Jackson, who's their seventh round, I believe their seventh round pick. Right. So, I mean, there's something there that Fulton obviously, you know, didn't catch on as quickly as they would have liked. He had a rookie DB that was, you know, playing more snaps than he was. Then you get your pick, Darren Evans, who's supposed to add a new wrinkle to the offense. He gets hurt as well. Again, unfortunate, something you can't plan for, something you can't foresee. I didn't think Evans looked that great when he was playing. I know everyone's excited to see him back. I'm excited to see him back. And maybe that injury was lingering. Maybe it was a thing. We don't know. But I didn't think he looked like someone that was going to add 
some, you know, super exciting. So I, I, I'm probably alone on that, but I, I didn't think his reps were, were that special. No, I, I, and they weren't. But here's the thing is watching, going back, that's one thing I, I love to do. And I used to, I used, in my coaching days, I, I loved the recruiting aspect because you get to go and try to make opinions and see if you're right and get, it's kind of that whole salesmanship game to get guys into your, co- you know, college. And then, so I like to watch film. And when I go back and I watch the the App State film, I he popped right, and he just Whoa. didn't he just didn't do that NFL. And I'm wondering how lingering that in, that injury was. It didn't look like the same guy. I beat the table for Darrington Evans the entire <laughs> right pre draft season. You know what I mean? I stood on the table for Darrington. You can go back and find podcasts for me and Justin. Uh, so Titans film room, Justin Graver, are co hosted together before CA Paul, but. For a while, you can go back, and I predict that the Titans were going to draft Darrington Evans in the third round. And I went off about how incredible of a fit he was, and and how much I loved him. So look, I'm a big Darrington Evans guy. I interviewed him before the draft. He was really high on my board. Yeah. I predicted the pick in advance. I had said it in a group chat that we have actually, you and I. Yeah. That, uh, I, right before they announced, the oh, I remember going to be Darrington Evans. I remember. Yeah, so yeah. I stood on the table for Darrington Evans. So I'm not going to you know crap on John Robinson now for that. And on top of it, I expect Darrington Evans to still be a pretty good player. But you look at all these guys, right? The injury to Evans, unfortunately, the injury to Fulton. But again, two players that didn't look super impressive before the injuries. The yeah. Vic Beasley signing, the Genevion Clowney signing, the uh, the, um, the Isaiah Wilson being your first. It's just it's just the offseason has certainly been the worst offseason he's ever had. This goes back to the saying, a good decision is a good decision, regardless of outcome, and a bad decision is a bad decision, regardless of outcome. And I think that what you've outlined here is Vic Beasley, there were some warnings there. There's a high risk there. If it works out, then I think John Robinson looks like, you know, the coaching staff looks like geniuses because they got they got something out of nothing. I mean, we shouldn't be too surprised that he failed because of everything you outlined, but you can also mark that very squarely in a fail box for John Robinson, and it was a bad decision at the time. Isaiah Wilson looks like he's going to be there as well. I hate that because the young man did look like he had some power at Georgia, and did have some some skill from what I can see on film, but he just can't get right in you know whatever's going on there. And again, though, every every scout told you he needed to go back to college for one more year. So now he's taking that one more year, riding the bench and, and on the COVID list and and and, and getting well, in car wrecks, you know, in Nashville. I mean, this this was not something that should be too surprising if you listen okay. to people saying he needed more seasoning. Based on play alone, and this is all I'm going to say about that. My my big board is still published. You you can go look at my big board ahead of the draft. I look pretty stupid for some things, and like everybody, and pretty smart for others. But I had Isaiah Wilson in the late 60s, which means technically I had an early third round grade on him. Right. That's where that's where I had him. And I justified it on draft, and I was like, well, if you flip him in Fulton, you're fine, right? But obviously that didn't work out either. So I mean, it, it's it's. It's whatever. Everyone everyone wanted Fulton. Let's not forget that everyone was claiming they wanted Fulton in the first round right then, and, I, and that's what they want, or at least a lot of the Twitter like mentions at sure, the time. Hey, and that's the other thing. If you go back and look at that same big board I'm, I'm referring to, I had a late one on Fulton. So, uh, I, of course, I was, I was thrilled for them to get him in the second. I thought he was about a top 30 player, around 30th, but that's where I had him. Right. So obviously, you know, what we're saying is that, and again, let's, let's get this back to on track here and say that we're not saying John Robinson should be fired. Anybody that says that, please stop listening. I'm kidding. Well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's just, it's, it's unnecessary at this point. Look what he's put together before now. Look where he's brought the Titans out of just absolute despair. And, and they're on the cusp of winning more than nine games for the first time in God knows how long. And, and, and he's made so many right choices. I think the, other, the only thing you could have knocked on him before this offseason was maybe what 
the Austin the Austin Johnson draft and 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 Dodd maybe those kinds of things. Kevin Dodd, Kevin Dodd, Kevin but I Dodd mean, and Austin Johnson. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, those were the only two. And I remember thinking, if those are the only two you've got on him, then good grief, this is the GM of all time. And now he's just he's just a good he's knocked down to a really good GM at this point in time. Maybe not an all timer, you know. We'll see what he, he does. But again, he's gotten so much right. It's, it's it's all it's all percentages, and you have to kind of live with your right decisions and and also live with your bad decisions. And he's been pretty good. So I mean. Trust me, Jeff Simmons, home run of a pick. So, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, I'm a- so sorry. A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm saying you can't just say these are bad because they're bad and ignore all is good. Right. So, that's, I think, what you were saying earlier and what we're saying on the show, and we're very big into this, and we're very big um, John Robinson supporters, and Vrabel supporters, for that matter. I've seen a lot of fire Vrabels. Yeah. If he if they lose one more game, I'm just like, hey, where where y'all get off? Do y'all not remember the bad times? <laughs> Sure, absolutely. No, again, Rabel and Robinson, two guys uh, I wouldn't even, it's not even worth spending time on. Right, exactly. So we're looking, we're looking ahead here, and obviously, and let me, since we're talking about drafting free agents, just, do you have any any names that people can maybe go out and start researching and looking? I know, you, I know you've already got that engine started up. Just draft or free agent. Do you have a couple names that maybe the Titans should be, should be targeting either in the draft or free agency? Well, I think the, the free agent class is very deep um, at edge rusher currently. There are a lot of guys that I think could help them. I, I'd be hesitant to, you know, of course, I think they should draft an edge player at some point, absolutely, but I'd be hesitant to put all my eggs in that basket because you need to get this rush right immediately. And my opinion is rookie edge rushers, they're not always ready to play. They're not always terrific and, and ready to, you know, contribute double-digit sacks uh, in, in year one. So, and, and, and they're lax. Look, obviously they're not going to be picking in the top ten anyway. But this is not from what I've seen so far, and I'm still, of course, deep into my studies. This isn't an edge rushing class that is super exciting. You know, there's no Chase Young. There's no generational talent. There, there's nothing like that at the edge rusher position this year. But when you're looking for free agency, there are a lot of veteran guys that I think could really help this team. you got guys like Melvin Ingram. you got guys like Shaq Barrett. you got guys like Vaughn Miller. you got someone like Ryan Kerrigan, who intrigues me very, very much. Uh, you got Bud Dupree, who, again, I, I would assume he ends up um, you know, back in Pittsburgh, I can't see them letting him walk. Right, right. You got Matt Judon on Baltimore. So there's a lot of really interesting edge rushers and more of the veteran variety that uh, I'd be more than happy to pay to come and play their twilight year here. You know, they need help in a major way. If Von Miller wants to come play for a contender or Ryan Kerrigan wants to come play for a contender, he's never really done that in Washington. Um, I, absolutely, the Titans should be on the call with those guys immediately. And then oh, yeah. in terms of the draft, again, I'm, I'm still early in my studies, but a couple of guys, a guy uh, uh, who's a very bendy, explosive edge rusher, I highly recommend. I mean, you're a Bama guy, I think, Ryan. I thought he played really good against Alabama uh, this past season. And then, of course, you got a guy like Quiddy Pay at Michigan, who I think is very interesting. And then you got, you know, Joseph Asai out of Texas, who I think has all the tools, still doesn't really know what he's doing, in my opinion. He's still putting it all together. But those are the guys that I think, uh, if the Titans do decide to go in the first round, as of now, I think those are the ones that might be in the range of their pick. Go back real quick. Who is the who is the one that you said had a good game versus Bama that you're talking about? Because the the audio cut out a little bit. Okay, he plays for Georgia. Aziz Edgelari. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's six three two forty. Georgia has him listed at. Thought he was really good. Uh, I want to say on Bama's first possession, I think it was their first possession. He absolutely levels the quarterback. Almost leads to an interception for yep. a teammate of his. Yep. He bats a pass down a little bit later. Uh, active. He, he active plays a little kid. in coverage. Yeah, he's active. He, he's all over the place. 
Right. He makes a great tackle at one point, the line of scrimmage against the running back. You see the tackle radius pop up. He's a long guy. So as of now, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of his. Yeah, and, and he went up against a pretty good – what I think is probably one of the better offensive lines in all of college football, if not the best. They've got a really good set of tackles on Alabama's line. And that that tick, that center, Landon uh, Dickerson, man, I continue every week to be impressed with him. He is a, he is a mauler inside. I don't know, I, the Titans don't really need interior offensive line help, but I would love it if they ended up with him somehow. He's, he's fun to watch. I know I'm, I'm going off on O-line a little bit too much, but – It's all good. No, this is going to be a really good O-line class. I'm excited to really dive in and provide all this content uh, to Broadway this year and and all kinds of Titan-specific draft stuff. And, you know, uh, for people who don't know, that's my bread and butter. So I'm really excited to get into that. Yeah, I'm excited to get – because I like doing that stuff too. I may may try to join you on some of that because I had my most fun when I was breaking down prospects uh, a couple years ago with with Jonathan. We may try to get back into that this year a little bit too with with your help, baby. But, you know, that's definitely fun to watch. Y'all check that out with Justin when he goes through this. And not to mention, there's, this is also a pretty good receiver class as well, and Titans may or may not have a need depending on what they want to do. So we'll see I'd what happens there. I'd be very tempted there. I'd be very tempted. Yeah, do, do you pay someone who's who has probably the, the best year of his career maybe, and, uh, and he may not come back for what you want? I, I'm not sure. You've kind of, unfortunately, by not signing Corey Davis that fifth year, you've kind of opened up the possibility of him walking. But it's it's a pretty deep receiver class with the wall that's out there. I mean, there's a the three the top three guys I think are interchangeable as far as who what they could do in the NFL, and they're just real. I mean, as far as success, really good. So this is going to be a fun one to break down and see the receiver the O-line, and all the other positions. So let's look for that coming up. But coming up for the Titans is, just to kind of wrap up here, a familiar foe in the division, the 1-11 Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I'm sorry, but I just don't I don't think the Titans should be taking this team lightly, lightly regardless of their record. Because, look, the last two games, they took the Vikings in the overtime and end up losing 27-24. They lost to the Browns 27-25. to So close matchups here. They're seeing being in games, and Minshew's not even playing, even though he's begging to get back in the game, even with his thumb and everything like that. And I don't know if they're tanking what they're doing. If, if they're tanking, they're doing a very poor job of it by staying in all these games late. So how, how – I mean – Again, what a perfect opponent for the Titans to show that you're not going to play down and come out on fire, right? The first thing that strikes me about this game, and, and sorry not to avoid your question, but the first thing that strikes me about this game is how, how quickly life changes in the NFL and throughout the course of a season. Right. The last time I previewed a Jacksonville Jaguars game uh, was the first meeting against the Titans this year. I believe it was week three. It, no, it was week, week, week two. Week two. You're gonna ask me to go look it up, but it's it was, th- it was thirty. Two. It was thirty-three it was to thirty. I just looked it up. It was thirty-three it was to thirty two. win for the Titans. Yeah, it was week. It was week two, so that was the last time I previewed a Titans Jags game, uh, and I, I did. I got to do that with Mike Malarkey, which was a lot of fun uh, for us. And, and, and what strikes me the most about again, this brings me to my point about how quickly life changes. I remember myself and Coach Malarkey talking about how big this game was, even though it was week two, because the winner was going to be in first place in the AFC South because both of them entered that game at 1-0. and And that just strikes me. It didn't even hit me till now. This Jacksonville team has lost 11 games in a row. Mm-hmm. They're 1-11. They right. won that week one game. They went into that week two game against Tennessee with a chance to be on top of the AFC South, and now they're 1-11. So uh, that's, that's really something, to be on an 11-game losing streak. But with that said, just like you said, they, they've been in a lot of games. They're still in games. They're still playing. They're still competing. Say what you want about Doug Marone, but they haven't quit on him, clearly. Nope. 24-20 versus the Packers. Just lots of games they're in. I mean, it's yeah. just... They're, they're in these games, so the right. Titans can't sleep. The Titans can't sleepwalk through this one. And you know what? They have... I hate to say it, but the way this Titans defense is playing right now, 
you know, Jake Luton, the quarterback, he, he has, don't get me wrong, he hasn't looked good. I'm not going to say he's looked good. I'm not going to go that far. But he hasn't been an absolute train wreck. He's slinging the ball around. They got some weapons. I don't know if DJ Chark is going to play. I know he's been banged up, but Chark is a terrific wide receiver that I don't think any corner on the Titans can cover. Truth be told, LaVisca uh, Cheneau is a rookie who's got a lot of juice, very explosive. Uh, you got um, Keenan Cole, who's a pretty good wide receiver. James Robinson, is probably as this year, probably been the second best running back in the AFC. James, James Robinson's been—I've got him on fantasy teams. He's been a pleasant surprise, and even on that bad Jags team, he's been he, every week he produces. So you can't you can't sleep on this offensive skill set. No. And that's what I've got written in my notes here. Is like who knows what the quarterback situation can look at, but they've got some guys that can, that can get loose if you're not careful. Yeah, like I said, LaVisca Chenault again, James Robinson. Like there's, he's, Tyler Eifert's playing for them. He's caught a couple touchdowns over the last couple of weeks. So, right. no, the Titans, look, I know it's a cliche, but, no, the Titans cannot enter this week to, to, to sleep on them. And with, with all due respect, they're not good enough to sleep on anybody, right? They lost to the Bengals. They're down 38-7 at halftime to the Browns. The Browns are a good team, but they're not a 38-point-a-team game. So they're not good enough to, to just, you know, sleepwalk through a game. they got to take the Jags seriously. Yeah, they've got to come out with their hair on fire and just and just let it be what it is. Because that's the, even go back to the Colts game, which we all agree was a good game for the Titans, right? It was fourteen to fourteen at one point in time, and looked like it was going to be first to sixty because neither defense could stop them. And then all of a sudden, the right. Titans defense gets a couple stops in a row, and the Titans just took off with the game. But at least at that point in time, you had them coming out and fighting hard, and you could tell the offense was on. In this last game versus the Browns, not only was the defense bad, but the offense was bad too. I mean, as far as just getting stuff there and not really getting going. Yeah, Henry, Derrick Henry fumbled too. Derrick Henry fumbled for the first time in what feels like 90 years because he just doesn't do it very often. I think the last time was against the Colts in 2018. I could have the year wrong, but it's been it's been a while since it's happened. And lots of games in between. So, I mean, you, you can't take anything for granted in the NFL because there's any given Sunday, it was not just a good movie. It's it's a it's, it's a thought process that's a real thing. I mean, this thing gets. Go look at our pick'em. Go look at our freaking pick'em from week to week on the Broadway uh, site and just see how many. I mean, how many times have we seen like we all like we did. It, we looks like we're gonna be doing it again. We all picked the Ravens tonight, and uh, the last I checked, the Cowboys were up, and who knows what's happening there. But we've gotten unanimous picks wrong. So not every time you think. I mean, the Giants won this weekend. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. It's the Washington won, beat the Steelers, which uh, whatever the Steelers. Which I did pick. I'm. Yeah, you, me, and uh, yeah. real quick, you, me, and Graver, I think, were the only three that picked Washington <laughs> versus Pittsburgh. I just, it felt like a loss. It felt like it was time, and I was happy. Of course, I picked against right. them last yeah, week, me too. too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so, I mean, that, but the point is, it, it's, it's, no team is bad enough, I don't think, that you can take anything lightly. Because if you, can, if you can go down 38 points like that in the half to the Browns, anything's happening. So I know we got to wrap up here, and I really appreciate you being on. But that, we just want to talk through some things. So look for the Titans to really step it up. If you could give one thought moving forward or something to look forward to, what is your, your closing thought you would like to give? I, I would just say that um, I, hope, I hope that the defense can sort of – because you talk about that Baltimore game where they had that scuffle at midfield. And for it fired them up. I hope they can find, and sometimes athletes are like that. That's kind of the point, right? They're just, they need that extra motivation or something just happens naturally within that brings that fire out. I hope as they go into the postseason that they find that. I hope they find that something to play for. I hope they think about being in the AFC championship game last year and being so close, having that 10 nothing lead against the, I think, I believe it was, or 10 three or whatever it was, but having that early lead against the Chiefs and being so close to playing for a Super Bowl. I hope they find that motivation um, because I, I still think maybe I'm grasping at straws, but I still think there's enough talent here 
where maybe, just just maybe, if they find that motivation and they find that fire within, they can at least do enough, right, to not hold the rest of the team back. So that that's a thought I'll leave with people. Don't give up on them yet. I know I said you just feel like the defense will cost them a playoff game at some point. I know I just said that, but let's hope they can find that motivation because, you know, for them, the postseason, look, they just got to say, hey, we're 0-0, and, uh, you know, let's go win this thing. Great thoughts to end on. So with that, this has been the Coach's Corner. Thank you so much, Justin. Follow him, Justin M, as in Mary, underscore NFL on Twitter. Check out all his stuff there. We are part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. We're going to be sure and check out all of our other podcasts, like the one Justin's on, all of our other articles, like both of us do every single week, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Check out this show right here at Coaches on Broad on Twitter. But until next time, We'll see y'all.